Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. I'm Lee Cowan, in this week for Jane Pauley, and this is our Sunday Morning Extra, a podcast featuring a memorable story from our latest show. It's a conversation that offers insight beyond the broadcast. On this episode... Tracy Smith is in conversation with two actors who star in the new film, The Two Popes, Jonathan Price and Sir Anthony Hopkins. Now I can see a a necessity for Bergoglio. It could never be me. All right. We are at an impasse. You cannot retire from the church unless I agree to your going, and I cannot resign until you agree to stay. You may remember Price from such films as Brazil and Glengarry Glenn Ross. How do Oh, Christ. Hey, don't follow me. Just don't follow me, okay? And who could forget Hopkins' turn as Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs? A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. All right, here we go. Everybody settled? Yep. Yeah? Tracy Smith asks Jonathan Price what drew the veteran actor to take on the role of Pope Francis. I know you had a a beautiful script and an amazing director, but what was it about this story and these men that appealed to you? At first I was a bit reluctant. I didn't think I wanted to to be a pope. I thought I was on a hiding to nothing. Um, But then I read the script, which I really liked. and uh, it also came with uh, Fernando Morales attached to direct it, and that was the kind of clincher for me. He's been a favorite director of mine for years, from City of God onwards. But I also have great admiration for Pope Francis from the day he was created Pope. What he was talking about, what he could do for a society in general, and he, to me he's a much more political figure, and I responded to the things he was saying. You didn't know that Tony was going to play the other pope? No, no, I, I, I probably wouldn't have taken it if I'd known <laughs> that he was going to be the other pope. But no, that was the icing on the cake was when Tony agreed. I mean, Tony, I, I knew you wanted to do it, but it was a question of uh, fitting it in, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. well... <clears throat> Uh, it was a bit, little complicated story. Which could, uh, I was going to play, uh, talking to some producer about playing the father of the film in London. And my agent joined us for lunch and he said, uh, you've been offered the Pope. I said, really? Ratzinger? I said, oh yes, the German Pope resigned. I knew that much. And uh, I said, well, okay. And um, then I read the script and like Jonathan, I thought this is really good. And it's very light. It wasn't heavy, ponderous. And... Um, uh, so I had a delay because I, I'd been working very hard the previous two years 
So I couldn't remember any more lines. So I had to postpone. I said, I don't think it'll be, I can do it. And my agent You did phoned. go off and play King Lear. Yeah, between. that was before that, though. That didn't help. I couldn't remember the lines. <laughs> but anyway, so they waited to come back from Argentina, gave them time. So I joined them in Rome. And I'd, and I'd worked with Fernando before on a film called 360. And uh, he's terrific. Um, and the script. That, that's the, once you get the script, and a superb director like Fernando, he's very quiet, very laid back, but he produces these remarkable images. And I thought, well, it was easy to play, and uh, I didn't do any analysis. I mean, I'd watched him on YouTube, but I, I got an idea because I, I just take the information from the script if it's well written. For me, I don't need to know too much more about the ins and outs. And, of the actual I leave, man. I leave my ju judgments, my any historical judgments or opinions I have out of it. So I, I don't read that much about whatever goes on. Was part of the appeal playing against this other pope, playing yes. against Jonathan? Yes, well, we'd never really worked before. Just briefly, I directed them in a play, uh, Adam McWood. <laughs> and uh, he played number two voice, I played number one. Now he's number two, number one on the call sheet and the trailer. I'm, you know, but I let him have his glory. <laughs> <laughs> this has become a running joke between the two of you. Who's well, number he, one, who's number two? Joke. I, I'm, I yeah, he's, he's upset about it, but I, I quite like telling people that I was number one on the call sheet. I'm, he was number two. But with a sir on it. Yeah, he puts sir on his emails now. You're sir, sir number, number two. two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a laugh in this business, otherwise you go under and die. So we just have a lot of time laughing. Well, you know what? That brings up something. This, the film offers great insight into these men and into the, the picking of the Pope, how the cardinals go about picking the Pope. But it also is really funny. Have people been surprised by the humor in this film? Well, I, I, I was surprised by the audience reaction. I mean, I was gratified by it. Uh, when you see it with a large audience, uh, which I've been seeing in various film festivals, it, uh, there's an image at the beginning of the film, which is uh, quite an anonymous image. It's a man talking on a phone, and it has a great punchline. And the audience, every time I've seen it, they have huge uh, laughter in the audience. And you can feel the audience sitting back, relaxing and thinking, oh, this is a film... I can watch. It's not going to be what I expected it to be, which is two old men talking yeah. for two hours. It's a much more complicated film, and it deals with humour. It's very moving. Um, but, I, you know, we didn't... Uh, the great thing about the humour is it comes out of uh, the relationship and the yeah. situation. And I don't think I ever thought that we were trying to be funny, no, ever. And uh, I think that's why it works so well on that level. Uh, and, and I haven't seen it with an audience, I'm going to see it tonight. But, uh, I we use these words, important, but nobody laughs today, and you've got to have a laugh. You've got to laugh. I had an old friend once, I was, always said to me, you've got to have a laugh, down." And he was dying, I was with him when he was uh, dying. And uh, he said, you've got to have a laugh. And then he died. That was his last <laughs> word. And... Uh, <laughs> But you do. I mean, everyone's so serious today. Everyone's so grim. And <gasps> well, there's a lot to be grim about. Yes, I, I, I know. But we're all going to die. And let's talk. Let's have some fun. Let's just go out there and say, "What's our problem? What's your problem? How can I have? How can I? How can I change 
Is there anything we can talk about? Well, that's what this film says, isn't it? It's yeah. about uh, how we can discuss with uh, our enemies, say, about, about our, our common, uh, but our differences and find a commonality. Yeah. And in order that we can move on and uh, make things better generally for us. You're right, though. there are grim things, there's a lot going on, which is, but the world's always been a messy place. Nobody's ever got it right. No one. Yeah. Throughout the whole of human history, it's been a mess. But... If we don't laugh, if we don't, if we are absolutely certain that we are right. 1933, there was a man in Germany called the absolute certainty. Puritanism. Stalin in Russia. Puritanism. Certainty. Biggest killer in the world is that certainty that I know better than anyone. And it happens today in political correctness. Outrageous. I know best and you don't know. And if you don't agree with me, I'll kill you. Now that's really terrifying. And if we don't relax and let go, it's going to be a catastrophe. So here are these two men with very yeah. opposite, different views yeah. of the church and the world who somehow managed to find a way to come together, yes. to be friends even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, also, it seems that this is about people's capacity to change, to do both of these men, you could argue, did something horribly wrong and still managed to change. Yeah. Was that important to you, and did that resonate with you, that part of it? Well, I can say from my own point of view that, with, with, let's say with Ratzinger, who was a conservative ultra, conservative, diehard Catholic theologian, brilliant scholar. That term, I forgot what I was going to say now, but... Um, change. That he, about change. That the one person, he probably never forgot this, the man 2,000 years ago who said, casting the first stone who has not sinned, and they all dropped their stones before they stoned the woman caught in adultery. That is the most moving part of human history. Drop here the first stone who has not sinned, and they all walked away. And he goes to the woman, he said, sin no more. That to me is the most moving thing, to say that, that man walking around in the desert all those years ago. You think, God, what compassion, what beauty. The beauty of life, and the terrible beauty of life, Casted the first stone who has not sinned. And you'd like to say, yeah, what about us? You were putting people on trial and executing them before they've even been given process of, of, of justice. But we're doing it already. Condemn, condemn, condemn. And it's sad. And in my little tiny microcosmic way, if I could just say, have a laugh. We've got to have a laugh. Were you able to learn things from each other since this is the first time you've worked so closely together? Did you watch each other and learn no. things from well, each other? Uh, we did, yeah. I, it, it was all to do with the, the characters. I mean, it wasn't... Uh, I didn't go in there thinking, you know, you're not judging yourself while you're doing it, and I'm not judging Tony while he's speaking. We're, we're in the moment and being the, the characters. And happily, there were uh, things within us that uh, resonated as people. And uh, as um, Francis grows to like or to begin to understand Ratzinger, and Bennett, you know, Ratzinger understands uh, Francis, it, it, was, it was like me getting to know Tony. Well, that's um, what's interesting, because from my point of view, watching Jonathan's performance, that there was no animosity from him to me. He sings Abba to me, he mentions, but he's a decent man who wants to resign. We have an argument, yes, and I warn him, I said, you want to resign from the church? Be careful. 
But I noticed that you know, in the film, and it doesn't, as I said, you don't think about it. But because of his friendship and his attempts to get to me, even to resign, he never threatens me with vindictive dogma. He says things I don't agree with. He says there should be no wars. Well, that's ridiculous. But I think, well, maybe he's got a point. And it was his compassion. Francis' compassion and understanding that I'm an old man and an old conservative. Maybe he can break me down a bit. And he does. But you don't think about those things. No. No, because you're in the moment. Yeah. But you did say to me, Jonathan, that you were nervous the first time you were on set with Shush, Tony. Don't. <laughs> Don't, don't let him know that I was nervous of him. Okay. No, don't. Don't say I said anything nice about him. Um, otherwise, I'll never live it down. No. Terrible. He'll make my life hell. <laughs> I'm happy being number one. Let's just keep it that way. All right. Okay? All right, fine. No, I was. I mean, there was a... You know, you know it's about any actor you're working with. But I was especially... You know, I've been a fan of Tony's for a long time. And uh, so I... Yeah, it was just, I mean, there was a kind of excitement along with the nervousness, and it, it, it proved to work out yeah. uh, quite well. I don't know how much you get into this as you're doing it, but you, do you prepare for roles differently? Well, from, from what I understand, yes. Yeah? Can you uh, talk about that I mean, Fernando's the kind of uh, adjudicator about how we work differently. He can tell you more. Um, but uh I speak for Tony. Tony is much more rigorous and uh, he's like a, an orchestrator of his performance. He likes to know the lines. Well, it's just knowing the lines. And, yeah. you know, once you know them so solidly, and that's my thing because I was such an idiot at school. No, I was a little bit odd at school. And I've had the fear all my life, which fear is a very good thing to have. It drives you. So it's compensated me by making sure I know everything absolutely so no one can slap me across the head and call me a fool. So I have to know it all, not to show off, but I love the feeling of knowing all the dialogue, pushing it down into my, into my feet, you know, just knowing it. And then, once you've got it, you can improvise, you can, you can sing and dance, you can stand on your head and do things, and you're free to improvise whatever you need to do. But for me, that is, I, could, I know people wear um, earphones. I don't know how they do that. Very clever, but I couldn't do that. You need to I memorize it. I have to know. It. Only so for my own peace of mind that when I go on the set in the morning, I'm relaxed, I have a coffee, I have a joke, see this guy, and have some fun. And, and, and improvise, you know, loosen it up. Not be rigid about it. Yeah. But I'm a bit looser to the... Oh, he's uh, very loose, yeah. Very loose. No, he's more like jazz, though, aren't you? That's me. Yeah. Jazz? Is that jazz. a fair way to put it? He's yeah. um, a classical musician and I'm uh, jazz. And it's Fernando jazz. who's uh, dubbed us. But um, I, I think I'm a, a bit more open to what's going to happen on the, on the day. Um, and uh, I don't know where that comes from, but I, it's, when I'm rehearsing a play, um, a lot of directors want you to learn your script before you go in, and I, I can't do that. I can't learn it off the page. I have to learn it... Uh, I, I listen a lot to what the other characters say about my character, and that's how I know about my character. Um, it can be frustrating for other actors sometimes. Are you ever going to learn it? But I'm the, I, I'll be the last person in the rehearsal room who's carrying the script. And uh, it's once I, and once I know what I'm saying, why I'm saying it, then it goes in. Uh, with a film script, I can generally, you know, you know the whole character and you know what, what his yeah. motivations are and his intentions are. And um, 
the words sometimes are the last things that I think about. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, it, you, can over, you can over-rehearse at times on film. Um, but we didn't rehearse at all. No. But it was quite instinctive between there the pair w- of Really? There wasn't a lot of rehearsing? No, no. I think that's interesting. I wish I could do that. I can't. I find the script a damn nuisance to have in holding you think, hold on a minute, how do I do that and do that? I, yeah. so I, I'm encumbered with a fear that uh, it's going to get in my way, so I throw it away as soon as I can. And then See, I, I have the opposite fear, yeah. that if, I, if I'm expected to know it and if I think I should know it and I don't know it, that sense of failure, oh, oh. I can't bear to fail. So if I don't know it, I can't fail. <laughs> All right? Okay. Reverse psychology. Are we going to work together again? No, I doubt it. <laughs> we were talking of taking the two popes on the road. <laughs> I think yeah. that'd be great. Or even the cruise ships. I think the traveling two popes. Yeah. Painting lessons on the side. Yeah. Good. Did you notice the striking resemblance between Pope Francis and Jonathan oh, yes. Price? Yeah. 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 I did. The, the difference. Yeah, that, that they're doppelgangers. Is oh, that yes, fair yes, to say? Yes. <laughs> no, you <Yeah>. don't like that. <laughs> no, I, of course I have to accept it. Yeah. You did yeah. say years ago, I think 2015, that uh, someone asked you who should play you in the movies, and you said Pope, yeah, Francis, Pope Francis, but he needs to lose a few pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did say that. It's strange, isn't it? It's funny how it, comes it came back around. To haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> and did, did you ever think you looked like Benedict? I did. Really? When I, I went into the wardrobe and they put the robes on men and uh, the makeup uh, person said to me, would, would you put on this wig, you know, this hair? And I said, oh, no. And she put, so I said, okay, let's have a go at it. And she put it on. I thought, oh, not bad. Yeah, I look quite like him. And so it wasn't, and, but playing him wasn't difficult because I'm, uh, because I don't have to act like an old man anymore because I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's easy. No acting required. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ball and Podcast Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ball and Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, but after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.